I am Fallon. You're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining me. Maybe it's your first time. I always say that, but uh, I always am curious how you found the Heartbroken Podcast. Let me know sometime. I think the most obvious one is you listen to my morning show here at KDWB in the Twin Cities, and you just checked out the podcast, and maybe it fit you for a while or not. Um, maybe it's just part of your routine now, but maybe you found it, because I've had people that have definitely not listened to the show here in Minnesota, and they just found the podcast, which is super unique and cool to me, so I'm always interested to see how you found it. And um, someone pointed out, I was reading, I always read reviews, and someone pointed out that the ads are super loud. They can't fall asleep while listening anymore. First of all, I like am so honored anyone would ever listen to my voice to fall asleep. Although I guess the majority of the talking is done by my guest on the podcast. Um, I don't know how to turn down the volume of the ads. I've noticed that myself um, when I've listened to some other podcasts, uh, not all, but some that they do get louder. And I'm like, ah, so I totally feel that. I'm sorry. I'm not. I think that um, ignorance is not the best excuse. I should look into that more to see. Um, So I will. I'll send an email and ask if that's something I can actually fix. And then this one came from Rebecca. So many variations of heartbreak, always well-directed by the host, a must-listen. So thank you for leaving the reviews. I always appreciate those. As we're winding down to the last few episodes of this podcast, I don't know what number I'm ending on. I think I had this goal to have 2 million listens by the time I ended things, and I think I'm at like... 1.974 or something, if that makes sense. So uh, the goal was to get to the three-year mark and hopefully meet that goal. You know, you have to set goals for yourself. So um, thank you for listening. You're getting me closer to that goal. Um, And in the meantime, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Megan joins us today on the Heartbroken Podcast. Megan, tell us a little bit about what we'll hear in your story today. Story a little bit about my own heartbreak with um, being a single mom. Um, you know, was supposed to raise her with uh, somebody I thought I'd be with forever, and then they, uh, you know, left, and and I am now just here with my baby. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. So, Megan, let's go back a little bit and let's go, you know, rewind to this relationship. How long ago was it that you guys met? And tell me a little bit about meeting and, you know, your relationship. Um, so me and my ex uh, met actually in high school. Um, we were just friends in high school. We, we kind of had like a little group that we had. And, uh, um, you know, at that time there was, there was no feelings or anything. We were just friends. And then, um, she graduated a year after me and, um, we hadn't talked in like maybe a year. We started talking again and then, um, things were just different between me and her. Um, we, uh, just kind of felt like we were feeling a little bit more than friends and Mm -hmm. um 
few months later, we started dating and then um, it kind of went from <laughs> from there. Uh, was it a quick, was it like fast once you guys realized, oh, this is not just a friendship? Yeah, it kind of was. Okay. Yeah, it kind of was um, quick um, because I think we rekindled or we uh, started talking again around like August of the same year that she graduated. And um, and then I think we started dating by like October. Okay. Yeah, so it was pretty quick. <laughs> and you guys were young. Yeah, we were, um, was just about to turn 19 and I was already 19. So yeah, we were young. Okay. I think we were together for about a year and then we moved in together. Okay. Um, and um, we moved in together and then we had kind of moved different places, you know, kind of after that. So after that, we lived together until all the way up until we um, departed. So how long in your relation did you, were you married? Yes, we did get married. Um, eventually, um, we were together for like a year and then I proposed and then, um, we got married in 2016. So we got together in 2012 and then we got married in 2016. Okay. Um, and, uh, we were together, we were married for three years in full. Um, we were, we were gonna, we were starting to talk about kids like a year after we got married and, um, you know, how we were going to do it because, you know, we're same sex. So we were like, well, this is going to be a little complicated. Do we, do we try to adopt? Well, no, that was too complicated, too much money to just so many aspects to try and adopt. Okay. And, um, then we started looking at like sperm banks and then we also realized that that was a little bit too complicated too. So we were really in a pickle. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But- we actually explored a lot of different options. We even slightly joked that we would like go to a bar. And go, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, do that. But then we were like, that's not realistic because neither of us want to do that and mm-hmm. have like a one that's just, you know, <laughs> and, um, and then there was kind of the conversation of, well, do we know any of our guy friends that maybe would be willing? And we kind of thought that we didn't have any guy friends that would be willing to um, give us their sperm. Uh-huh. So we kind of put it to, to rest and we were like, okay, well, let's really read about, you know, this sperm bank. I don't know. I don't remember what the company was called, but I know that I don't think they're open anymore. Um, I'm not sure, though. But it's okay. like 10 grand per vial of sperm. And if it didn't work the first time, you would have to pay again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And my ex-wife has a lot of health issues. Like she has endometriosis. She has PCOS, you know, and stuff. So we knew that if she got pregnant first, it would be really complicated. So we also had to agree who was going to carry. Mm. Um, eventually, we agreed that it would be me just because I am very healthy, pretty much. Um, I don't have any of those issues and stuff. And I just, we just didn't want our first child to be, you know, no offense to anybody, but we just didn't want our first child to be, you know, premature or this or that. And we just, you know. Yeah. You made the decision that. that was best for you guys. Exactly. Um, so actually out of the random, we had a, a friend, um, that, was all of a sudden like, well, I'll be your sperm donor. And we were like, 
okay, but do you know what that entails? Like you have to sign your rights away. You can't all of a sudden be dad. You Mm -hmm. can't, you know, like we're friends also. So we're also going to see you a lot. So you have to be able to understand that you can't get emotion all of a sudden and be like, well, I want to be her, be the, the child's dad. Uh-huh. And he was he was not kidding. So we sat down with him one night. We went over everything that we wanted and we set boundaries. We set, you know, this and that. And he was going to be called uncle since he's in our life and whatever. And um, we picked a day. I had been ovulating and I was like, OK, let's go game time. Uh-huh. So we called him over and he did his thing in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, handed the stuff through the door and, uh, boom. And it worked on the first try. Um, Oh my gosh. That's, I feel like that's unheard of. Yes. Yeah. Um, might've helped that I, I sat with my legs up for like three hours. So, you know, (laughs) really making sure. Yeah. Yeah, Really made sure. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, it worked first try and everything. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's amazing that he, did that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so how was the pregnancy and everything with your, you and your partner and your health and everything? So it was, it was honestly, it was a, it was a tough time. The further I along, I got, um, my pregnancy in general was great. I didn't have any cravings. I didn't get sick. I didn't. Um, the worst thing I think I got was like cramps in my, I got like those Charlie horses in my shin. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember those. Yes. So that was probably like the worst part of my pregnancy. Um, and uh, so the pregnancy went smoothly. Um, my ex-wife, however, has a history of not keeping jobs. So it was really tough. Because the last month I was pregnant, um, she lost her job a few weeks before our daughter was born. Why would she, why did she have a history of not keeping jobs? What was the reason she would lose these jobs? You know, honestly, I'm really not sure. Um, okay. I think that she just wasn't committed enough. I think maybe sometimes she made excuses to not go. I think that, you know, she just uh, doesn't have a good worth, work ethic. Did that cause issues in your relationship throughout? Because that, that would be difficult, I think, for anyone. Because you're, contribu- you're supposed to contribute however you like you you agree on your contribution to a relationship yes some people stay home but their contribution is they take care of the home or the children whatever that may be some people we you both have to work because that's the only way you're going to financially pay exactly. your rent so was this an issue in your relationship throughout yes absolutely okay um, it it really was um because i was always always working there was like so out of the time that we were together there was one summer that i did not work um, I think we had just moved because for a short time we lived all the way up in like Emily for a short time, which is like by Brainerd. Okay. And, so super uh, north of Minnesota. Yeah. We had lived up there for a short time. And, uh, when we moved back, um, I didn't have a job for like a, a little bit. And, um, other than that, I always had a job. If I didn't want, if I didn't want to work here, I made sure I had another job lined up and, you know, I stayed at my, these places for a long time. Yeah. And I feel like she just didn't have that same work ethic. Plus she had some health issues. Like she was prone to like passing out sometimes and mm. whatever. So like 
a lot of the workplaces, I think eventually just thought, well, you know, I think you're just making up, you know, using your yeah. health as an excuse to get out of work. Kind of when thing. she would lose a job, how long would she go before she got another one? Um, it always was was different. It was um, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a couple months. You know, it was always very different. She'd get this idea that she would want to sell this or sell that, and then that wouldn't work out, and then she's gonna go here and work. And so it was it was challenging all the time. Mm-hmm. So you said she lost her job near the end of the pregnancy. Yes, um, probably about a month before uh, the due date, and um, it put us in a really tough position because uh, I was like, "Well, I have to go on maternity maternity leave. How are we going to stay afloat if you're not working?" And she had an opportunity to be a manager at one of the local stores and she turned it down because she was like, well, you know, if people call in, then I have to go. And if, and I was like, yeah, but you know, we, we need the money. Like mm-hmm. we're about to have a baby. Well, that didn't happen. And she mm-hmm. didn't have a job when um, our baby was born and we actually eventually had to go through eviction court. We went through a group that helps families um, pay their rent and other bills when they're about to get evicted. And um, so we were able to save ourselves. But after my daughter was born, my dad actually had a heart, a massive heart attack. I'm sorry. And he, um, I mean, he made it through. (laughs) Yeah. Like his heart stopped, he was he was he was airlifted, so he um, was technically dead for like five to ten minutes, and was two weeks old at the time. Mm-hmm. She didn't. My ex wife didn't have a job, so it was a really complicated maternity leave because I was on maternity leave through this, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're still fighting about. Well, you need a job, and it was it was a really really horrible time. My maternity leave was the worst <laughs> sounds like it well and during maternity leave you're you just had a baby it's uh you have, your body's healing you have there are lots of hormones obviously a high level added stress factor of a newborn baby you're trying to feed and keep alive yeah um to go through having a baby while also po- being possibly evicted figuring out how to take care of yourselves i'm gonna guess was highly stressful and then you throw in your dad on top of all of it it does seem as an outsider confusing why your ex would not take almost any job to help out in a situation like that. Yeah, it was, um, it was really frustrating and it was, it it took a really big strain on us and me. And, um, it was, it was not a good time. Um, so after that, um, we went through eviction court, uh, we were able to kind of save ourselves for a few more months. And I, I think at that point I could feel things changing in myself, like my heart towards her. Uh-huh. And, um, so a few months later, everything's kind of like fine. Um, and then some things happened with that apartment that we were living in and we decided, well, we just, we really just don't want to live here anymore because the landlords just weren't great. And, um, our apartment, like 
technically flooded and they weren't really doing anything. We had a baby. It was just a really crazy situation. So we started looking for a different place. And then our good friends of ours said, Hey, we're going to get, we're going to rent this house. It has plenty of room for you guys. You guys will have like the whole basement to yourself. The baby can have her own room. You guys will have your own room. You can bring your dog, your cat, you know, whatever. And we were like, okay, let's go look at this house. Yeah. Went to go look at this house with them. And we were like, okay, you know, this is, this is, there's plenty of space. Let's, you know, let's do this. It's better than our apartment. Um, I, uh, the ex-wife and I actually, we were looking, working for the, we were both working for the local school bus company. We were, um, uh, drivers. Um, I drove like a car for like kids that needed to go to treatment centers or, you know, um, struggling kids. Um, and she also, uh, she actually drove the little kids that went to like the little daycares or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were working, but when we moved into this house, I really started to notice that I just was not in the relationship in my heart and I was not loving her the way that I should have or the way that I used to. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day that I knew that I was officially going to want a divorce. Um, We were standing in our room and the frame was coming off. So we were trying to fix it, but it was nailed. It was like um, stapled in with like a staple gun Mm -hmm. and me having a little like family that kind of does carpentry and stuff like that. I was like, you know, I, I don't think we can get this back in. Like we have to have a nail gun and we don't have one. We can't just hammer it back in. And we started arguing about it and she was like, well, give me the hammer and I'll, and I, you know, and I'll try to do it. And I said, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's not going to work. Like, it's fine. We'll put a nail gun or, or, you know, I'm sure my dad has one. And it was just one of those things where it's like, she's been this person for a long time. And I've been trying to work it out with her and show her, you know, these, these things need to change with you and me. And they just weren't changing. And I think that argument kind of got to me a little bit. Like you're so stubborn. I mean, I am too, but that you cannot, you cannot listen to what I'm saying. So did she, did you say at that point like that, that even though it seemed like a little argument, that was the one that you're like, this is it. That was the, that was the one that I was like, this was it. I don't know what it was about that argument that showed me that that was it, but that was it. And I believe it was, it was after, it was shortly after that Easter, this was 2019. Um, It was shortly after that Easter. Um, I had been rolling it around in my head. I was terrified because this is somebody that I was building a life with. I didn't want to be divorced at 26 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have a baby together. Exactly. We have a baby together. I, I was terrified. Um, so how did she handle it when you said you wanted to get a divorce? Not good. Um, not good at all. I sat her down one night and I was like, listen, I I think that first we should separate for a little bit, but I just, I, you know, I can't do this 
anymore. I was like, at that time, I didn't have the right words, but I was like, I just don't love you the way that I did before. And I don't think I can. And I'm sorry, but I don't want to become somebody that I'm not. I don't want to do something behind your back that will really ruin this. I was like, Uh so I think that we, you know, it's just, we're going to be done. And at that time, it wasn't fully done. It was, you know, I wanted separation. But after that, even she could not give me the separation. You know, Um, she was kind of constantly texting everybody, kind of telling them that I need to realize what I had and this and that. And it was like just not giving me space, which pushed me away even more kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so what eventually happened? Did you finally you after the time and space you realized you just yep, weren't I, meant to be together? Basically, yeah, I realized. You know what? I think we both. It kind of was mutual. To to be honest, surprisingly, it was mutual. We sat down at a park and we were like, you know, yeah, we're done. And we were like, okay, you know, we'll do the divorce together. We'll do it ourselves, so we don't have to use lawyers and this and that and. Now I'm regretting that, but um, we kind of did like a DIY divorce um, mm-hmm. and a custody thing. And uh, what did the custody look like? 50 50? Yeah. So okay. It was 50 50 at the time. It was 50 50 um, because she was living here still and everything was fine. She could come over during the week anytime she wanted, have dinner, whatever. She had, she had her every other weekend you know, it was fine. We, we got along for the most part. And then I found out, you know, that she was seeing somebody pretty quickly after we separated while we were separated actually. Mm. And that's um, probably what was so easy for her to be like, okay, I agree. We can get divorced. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, that was kind of quick, but, (laughs) um, and then they made it official two or three days after our official, like we went to court did that whole thing. And they were like, okay, you're divorced, whatever. Two days later, she's in a relationship. Like, boom, serious relationship. I was like, wow. wow. Even when, even when you agree, like get out of a relationship, um, I always say this. I mean, it's still like if someone moves on super quick, it still like hits you. It's, it's kind of like a gut punch, you know? Yes, it is. Um, and I, I took it really hard. I really did. Even though I was the one that wanted <clears throat> the divorce, um, you know, I, I I still took it really hard because it's not where I saw myself. That's not what I wanted, but I knew that it was over. It was, I could not be the person for her that I should have been. Mm-hmm. She wasn't the person that I deserved either. So, She gets in this relationship and we had agreed that our significant others, if we started dating, um, would not meet our daughter for at least like eight months at the very soonest to a year because we didn't, you know, that was our agreement. We both agreed on that. Mm -hmm. I think like the next month. So it was August, which they had been dating for like a month. I found out that she had introduced our daughter to him. She got with, you know, went back to men. <laughs> yeah. And um, it really made me, really made me angry. 
And I didn't know a lot about this guy at all. And it's like you had him around the whole weekend, like sleeping in the same room as her. You don't know him, really. You just started dating. And you didn't tell me about it. That's how do you know he wasn't like a creep? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you got to. We had an agreement, you know, and that started a a lot of drama between us. And she just, she's always so blind by love that she doesn't, her way is the right way. Mm -hmm. And um, what she does with our daughter is what she does with our daughter. And it's none of my business kind of thing. And yeah, I understand that to a point. But when you bring other people like that, especially like a significant other, you know, there's boundaries, that should be there. So, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So with this, you, I mean, obviously she wasn't listening to you, but I know um, you said that eventually, is it because of that, like you're, you being upset over that in the introduction that she slowly started kind of seeing your daughter less and less? Um, No, actually she, um, they had, she dated this man for, I think they were together for maybe like three months. And then I get a phone call that, Hey, I'm going to move to South Carolina. And, um, that was like a bomb dropped on me. And yeah, I was, I said, what do you mean you're going to move to South? She was actually crying and said, don't be mad at me. I really need a friend because my dad just freaked out on me and told me that I'm a piece of crap because I'm going to leave a child. And I was like, I'm, what do you mean you need a, f- a friend? Yeah. I'm not your friend in this situation. I am the mother of the child you're leaving. Yeah. And I, I was so kind of flabbergasted that my anger was not at the height yet about it. I was just kind of like, okay, well, I hope you know that I'm going to need full custody when you move. And I said, you do realize that I'm going to want you to pay me child support because now you're leaving. Like it's all going to be on me. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I just, I'm really happy and I want this new life and this and that. And I promise I'll come back. I promise I'll, I'll come back for her birthday and, and Christmas. And now we are in 2021 and she's come back once. So at this point, is she even in her life at all? Um, not physically, no. She will FaceTime her um, sporadically, and that's that's pretty much it. It's just FaceTime. She has not physically seen her in over 14 months. So does your daughter even know her as um, her, like her mom or no? She knows her as mom under conditions. And I say that because my ex talks about herself to our daughter in third person. Um, my daughter's two. And mm-hmm. so gotcha. Yeah. She, yeah. So she, I could be sitting here with somebody and say, uh, Hey, call that person something. And she will, you know? So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, she only does it because I think she thinks it's her name, you know? Um, and so this is a child that you guys were going to raise together and yes. she moves away. Yep. 
she's no not even in your kid's life at all basically mm-hmm. i mean this is not that's not a parent that's not a parenting move it, lots of parents live in different states but they are still actively in their child's life as much as they can be this is not that situation no so I mean, I have to imagine, I mean, even when you get divorced, you still stay in your kid's life. That's just, that that happens, divorce happens all the time in relationships with kids. Exactly. So that was the initial heartbreak. The heartbreak you emailed me about isn't about this relationship and all the things that happened, even though it was heartbreaking. It's more for your child moving forward, having a parent that has chosen to basically remove themselves from her life. Yes. You know, it, it's it's angering. I'm angry and I'm hurt for my daughter. Um, It's heartbreaking for my daughter because this situation is going to have effects on my daughter later on in life. You know, she's going to question, well, why wasn't I good enough for her to stay? Why did she want her own baby and not me? Because now she had another child. She does have her own child now. Yep. She's okay. Like a few months old right now. And um she's brand new. So it's like my daughter's gonna see that. And my daughter's gonna question who all these people are because I balance my own family, my ex wife's family as well, for my daughter's sake. My daughter still sees my ex wife's family. Um because I because I have a, a pretty good relationship with most of her family. Um, what do they think about it? That's their family. What do they think about her and her actions? You know, her dad actually has cut her off. Um, and me and him have an amazing relationship. We used to hate each other. And now we we, we, we love each other. <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, uh-huh. But her grandma and her mother kind of went back on how they felt. Now they you know, they kind of want life to be happy and Uh they kind of spoil her. They always have, you know, she's up here and everybody else, you know, everything's fine. Everything's good. Nobody does anything wrong. So that's really frustrating because it's like, but it is wrong. You don't leave a child. You just, you don't do that. No, I mean, it's hard to imagine. I mean, people do it, but it's hard to imagine. It's, it's very tough and it's exhausting because, you know, my ex-wife has like grown this hatred towards me and it's like, well, what do you expect me to act towards you? I am. You're not receiving child support. You're raising your child alone. Yes, exactly. I'm alone. It's, it's me. Yes. Do I get help? Does my mom watch her every day while I'm at work? Yes, absolutely. But well, that's just luck, though. That's a lot of luck. people don't have that option. Yeah, not everybody. Not everybody has that, you know. Um, but it's still me doing everything. It's all. It's still all of my money, all of my time, all of me balancing your family and my family, and you treat me like I'm the worst person ever. So, what is your plan? I want to know what you. I hate to say regret, but what are your regrets from the past? And what is your plan moving forward to comfort your daughter and help make sure she doesn't feel the way that you're fearing most that she will? I think the thing I regret most is not doing the divorce right, not doing the custody right the first time. And um, 
because I should have, I should have known better when we got divorced that I should have known better. Um, honestly, I don't know what I'm going to do, um, for, to try and help comfort her, her later because I fear that she will have a void and a sense of abandonment that won't be able to be filled. But I hope that later on in life, once she learns who her donor is, I hope that he can help in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. that she has always had me and he kind of has always been there in the background as well, you know, and that my ex-wife did what she did, but that doesn't mean that she's, my daughter's not loved and um, she wasn't abandoned by the two people that made her. Um, Right. You know, in a sense. Um, Well, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you are, you're downplaying what you provide for her because I think that lots of people feel completely fulfilled in their their single parent raising them because they provided so much love that they never felt a void. And it sounds to me that's exactly exactly what you're doing for your daughter. Yeah, I, I... I, I definitely downplay myself a lot because mm-hmm. um, I, I try. But yeah. Naturally, as a mom, I fear that she's going to hurt later. And in turn, that's going to hurt me um, because it's not what I wanted for her at all. I can just hope that she does one day realize everything I've done for her and that I love her more than anything and, uh, you know, I'm never going to leave her and that she always has me. Well, I think that you said it perfectly there. Um, you know, I think that's beautiful. That's, that's true parent love right there. That's true parent love. And that's what you're giving her. And that's not, that's not all a child needs, but that's the main thing a child needs. And that's exactly what you're giving her. So I can't imagine what you're going through. Um, I, my child is my daughter, Olive. She's about two years old and they are so exhausting. Um, just so exhausting. (laughs) You love them, but man. Um, so I feel for you so much having to do that. I mean, thank goodness you sounds like you have a great, um, group of family and friends around you. And I'm so happy to hear that. And I am so thankful you shared your story today. I don't think we've ever shared a story like this before. I don't think that you're alone. I think that people are going to hear this and finally find someone else in a similar situation to them. So I really want to thank you for sharing your story today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, It feels really good to be able to get my story out there because sometimes I definitely feel alone, especially also being a gay mom um also kind of makes me feel a little bit alone too um Mm -hmm. so thank you very much thank you and thank you for listening to the heartbroken podcast